you've ever had one of those moments in life where you recognize while you're living it or going through it, this has been a life-changing event, and I'm not really sure if I know how to go back to everyday life. Maybe because of that event, you know you'll never see life as normal again. But you know why you're in it? You are in an amazing event. Do you ever wonder how the disciples, after all they saw and experienced, went on with life as usual? Do you ever wonder that? I mean, think about it for a moment. Everything we talked about over the last few weeks, and specifically everything that we celebrate over the Easter experience and the death and resurrection of Christ, how do you watch all of that and then go back to life as normal? How as a disciple can you know it's coming You've heard him say it, he's predicted it, you've walked through it, you've watched it unfold, and then you look at all that knowing, I will never, ever be the same again. I mean, seriously, the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ, their friend, their mentor, their teacher, the Messiah, the Son of God, no one sees a horrible death like that, and then the resurrection of Christ from the dead on his own power, and says, that was cool. I'm going fishing. I mean, you don't see all of that and go on with life as normal. You realize as you watch it unfold, there's got to be more than this. It's got to go to the next level. There's got to be another part of this journey. It can't just stop here. It can't just stay with what we saw. It can't just stay with what we experienced. There's got to be more to the story. Well, you know the answer to that question, and there is. It's called the book of Acts. This morning we're going to begin a brand new journey over the next number of months. It's going to take a while, to be honest with you. I never know once they're together as to how long it's going to take. But I know we're going to spend a lot of time unpacking one of the most amazing books in the entire New Testament. After the death and resurrection of Jesus, you know the story just can't end there. It's got to go on. It really does in some really powerful ways. And it becomes a story that changed the world forever. Now, I don't know if you've ever read a story like that, but you want to read a story like that. You want to read a story where you know by what you're reading, everything changed from that point on literally forever. And so I want to spend some time over the next number of months doing that. You have your Bibles. I want you to take them out. There's three or four phrases that I want to point out in this one. First 11 verses of Acts chapter 1. Now, we're going to continue this journey all the way through. I wanted to make sure that I let you know that because we did a four-week series on marriage and parenting on Mother's Day, we won't do a Mother's Day sermon. I'd rather you know that now so that you're not disappointed or you bring your mother from Toledo and you come here, Mom, it's going to be a great Mother's Day sermon, and it's not. So I just don't want you to be surprised by that. But because of, I thought through that, because of our series over the last few weeks on parenting and marriage, I wanted to go all the way through the Acts, and it'll unfold over the next few weeks as to why, and we'll explain that as we go. Acts chapter 1, I'm going to read the first 11 verses. In my former book, Theopolis, I wrote to you about all that Jesus began to do and to teach, until the day was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he gave himself, gave, presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one of those occasions, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait 
Wait for the gift the Father promised, which you heard me speak about. You heard him speak about that just a few days before that in John 15 and 16. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And they gathered around him and said, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times and the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power. And the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently, and I always love the understatements in Scripture. You talk about looking intently when you just saw what you saw. I would look intently. Up into the skies he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside him. Men of Galilee, they said to him, why are you standing here looking in the sky? Don't you want to say, what do you think? Don't you read Scripture with imagination? I'm, never mind. Men of Galilee, they said to him, why are you standing here looking in the sky? The same Jesus who was taken up from you in heaven will come back in the same way that you've seen him go. I want to give you some background. The author of the book is Luke. It's the same one who wrote the book of Luke. Colossians 4 calls him the beloved physician. If I were to ask you, and I want you to answer the question, if I were to ask you to name at least four of the disciples of Jesus, how many of you with all sincerity would say Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? A few of you would. Luke wasn't. He wasn't one of the disciples. He was, in fact, a Gentile, one of the only Gentile writers in the entire New Testament. He was a very close friend of the Apostle Paul and traveled with Paul for most of his journey. It's from those journeys with the Apostle Paul that much of Acts was written. The book is written to a friend, another Gentile named Theopolis, a man Luke somehow met while in Rome. It's the second letter written by him. Of course, the first was the Gospel of Luke. Now, the speculation about Theophilus was that he was a high-ranking official in Rome. Luke 1 refers to him as the most excellent Theophilus. In biblical terms, that labels him as somewhat of status and influence. We're not sure how they met. Some say that maybe Luke was one of his physicians. And then after leaving his friends, some actually think that it was then that Luke became a follower of Christ. And as the life of Christ began to impact his life, Luke writes back to his friend and he tells him about the risen king. Now, I don't know if you get all of that, but that's an amazing role model to follow. That once Jesus impacts your life, once you recognize the change that's taking place, you want to share that with someone. Whether it's been someone in your past or a friend of yours who's seen you grow up or someone that knows that now you're different because of Christ and you want to tell them why. Luke is one of those. He said, I've got to tell you what difference Jesus is making in my life. I want to tell you an incredible story. And I want to make sure you understand it. And so he begins to write to him. And I love that model of someone who says, look, I need others to know what I have found in Jesus. I need to know this really makes a difference. I need you to know this changes life. Not just my life. This changes life. Interesting, last Sunday morning when I asked those three questions at the end of the message as to what part of the gospel presentation of either erasing your past or the power for today or your desire for the future most impacts your life. And it was interesting watching hands go up all over the auditorium based on those experiences of life. Interesting in that third service for the third question, how many of you are most looking forward to the next phase of your life being heaven, that my dad was one of the ones that raised his hand, sitting in a front row, right where Todd's sitting this morning. 
And I adore him. I love him to death. But I'm delighted that, that he's so looking forward to that. And I'm even more delighted that when he found Christ, he wanted to make sure that everyone around him found that same Jesus. A friend of his led him to Christ, shared him the story, and found out that it was more than just go to church, do your best, we're all going to heaven anyhow, but there's really reality to this Christian experience and that Jesus is the same Jesus that can change your life now. Not just someone of history, but really can change your life. Very first thing he wanted to do was bring my mom. And so he brought my mom and introduced her to this person and this individual, and she came to faith in Christ. The very next thing they wanted to do was to make sure the kids found that out. And my dad, from that particular moment in his life, in the early 60s, until now in 2014, has been doing everything he possibly can to make sure that everyone he meets knows that Jesus is real. He really does change your life. He really does make a difference. This is not just some history book or some character of days gone by. Jesus is real, and he can change your life. That's what Luke's doing. If you could hear him talk. I mean, you have a you version on your iPad or iPhone. You hear a friend of mine, Max LeCain, share the story. And Max has a phenomenal voice. But if you could hear Luke, Luke for real, and not just read it, but listen to him speak and saying, Theopolis, my friend, you are never going to believe what I'm learning. You're never going to believe what I'm seeing. You remember that story that I told you about Jesus and what he was and what he was all about and what he taught and what he shared? Do you remember all of that? You've got to hear the rest of the story. You've got to understand that there's more to it than just a historical figure who came, died on the cross, and rose from the dead. Theopolis, you've got to know what happened next. And so he does, and he begins to write that way. So that this amazing story doesn't just die on the pages of a Bible somewhere, it comes to life. When you look at the title, whether in your Bible, King James Version or RSV, whatever Bible you have, it normally heads it as the Acts of the Apostles, which is somewhat misleading because the book really is about the acts of the Holy Spirit of God through the apostles. They didn't do any of this on their own power. Even the term apostles can be somewhat misleading if you think of it only as the disciples listed in chapter 1, verse 13. After these verses, you hardly hear of any of these people anymore. Many of them, not at all. But you're going to hear a lot about small a apostles, which means sent ones from God. Men and women invaded by the power of the Spirit, invaded by the power of God, who impacted their world with the gospel of Christ. You're going to hear more than about Matthew and Luke. You're going to hear about Stephen and Paul and Barnabas and Agabus. You're going to be here about some incredible women of faith, daughters of Philip and many others like them, hosts of believers invaded by the Spirit of God, people like you and I. You have to know that the ministry and power of the Holy Spirit goes well beyond the pages of any book comes down through the pages of Scripture and comes to life in people like Luther and Wesley and Tozer and Simpson, people like Swindoll and Billy Graham of our day, the lives of ordinary people just like you and I who've been dramatically changed by the power of Jesus and want to share their story and want to know that this is more than a study of a history book. It is the living God come to life. Same power, same challenges that these experience in the book of Acts 
are with us today. The story did not stop. Some will tell you that. Some theologians will say it. Some churches even teach it. That the story of the power of God's spirit and the evidence and manifestation of that ended when the book of Acts finished. And when the last chapter and the last verse was done in the book of Acts, that power that was available to the church then ended. And all the spiritual manifestations of that power finished. We just want to tell you an amazing story that happened in days gone by. That is not true. This book that we're going to study, this book that we're in right now, this book that we're reading is more than just a history book. It is a book that comes to life. And Luke says, look, I want to show you some things. I want to tell you some stuff that you don't want to miss. What I shared with you before, that's only the beginning. Let me tell you more of the story. And so he does. Three interesting phrases that I want to point out (coughs) here in this section that I share with you this morning. The first one is in verse 2 when it says, He gave them instructions through the Holy Spirit. Jesus still does that. You see, I don't think Jesus was with them every single moment of those 40 days. It said in one translation, He appeared to them from time to time. It says He taught them during those periodic experiences about the kingdom of God. Now, to be honest with you, that's a small group I would have loved to have been a part of. That's a Bible study. I'd love to sit in on once in a while when Jesus shows up from time to time. Hey, folks, got a new leader today. It's going to be Jesus. Going to tell us about some of the things. He doesn't show up all the time. He's not always in our small group, but every once in a while he comes by. I would sit down and shut up for that one. I just listen and And so he does, and Jesus periodically comes and shares with them. And then sometimes after that experience, the Spirit of God would begin to open up their minds, and all of a sudden the things he talked about began to make sense. Have you ever had that? You read a section of Scripture before. You know you've read it before, but all of a sudden something brand new pops up. Something you may have not seen before begins to make sense. Something you didn't even understand before now makes sense. Luke's the only one that shares the story of the two guys on the way to Emmaus after the resurrection. Talks about the fact that Jesus somehow hid himself from them and and they walked along the way and they began to rehearse some of the things they'd just seen. Gets late in the day and why don't they say to Jesus, why don't you come and have supper with us? And so he does. He sits down and begins to talk to them more and then all of a sudden they share a meal and he breaks some bread. It's like, we've seen this before. And then he leaves. And the guy said, didn't something inside of us just burn as he was speaking? You ever have that? Or somehow after the way, whether it's after a message or after reading a scripture or watching a video or a small group study, and, and you know you've studied that before, you know you've seen it before, you know you heard that message before, but somehow it didn't quite make sense at that moment. And then all of a sudden, somewhere along the way, the light comes on and it makes sense. You're going, that's what that means. Or maybe it's in the midst of an experience that you didn't live out at that point, but you knew the verse, you knew the section, and now you're living it out, and all of a sudden that scripture that you studied a month ago or a week ago or a day ago now becomes reality right here. And the Spirit of God begins to say to you, Hey, remember that? Go, oh, yeah. What I love about this and that phrase is that Jesus still does that. It's the Holy Spirit who begins to allow us to understand what it is that he's teaching us, what it is that the Word of God has to say. It may sound somewhat mystical, and we Westerners don't always know what to do with mystical, but God still works in the same way today. 
A lot of us want a theology that we can figure out, and it doesn't always happen that way. You've got to understand that this isn't history we're studying. It is a living book. And the things that are on the pages of Acts are still relevant to the church today. And the things that God does in that context and can do in that context, he still does today. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You can know the theology, but every once in a while you need the Spirit of God to light that theology up. And know that it's more than just theories or teaching that I've heard, or a message that sounded good in the moment. But all of a sudden, the Spirit of God says, now. I want you to understand where this fits in your life. I want you to understand how important it is for you to know this now. It says that he not only spoke to them, in the middle of that section, it said he appeared to them, giving them convincing proof that he was alive. I find that an interesting phrase. Convincing proof that he was alive. Didn't they know it? He was there. He was there. He stood right in front of them. He appeared on a number of occasions, but it says he gave them convincing proof that he was alive. Did they know it? Well, of course. But if we're really honest, every once in a while we need a little more than the knowledge of that truth. I don't know if you've ever been there, but every once in a while you need to know that God is alive and that he's real. Every once in a while, regardless of the theology and everything I know about God, and I know that Jesus died on the cross, and I know that Jesus rose from the dead, but every once in a while, I need more than theology. I need more than that information. I need to see him. I need to feel him. I need to sense him now. Whether it's waiting for the results of that test, whether it's going through that MRI tunnel, whether it's going through the valley of the shadow of death, I need to know that that's more than just a verse that I memorized when I was a kid. I need to know that that God who said, I'll walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death is real. I need to know in the midst of my uncertainty, in the midst of all of my questions, in the midst of my wrestling with issues, that the God of theology and the God of Scripture comes alive and reveals himself to me. Whether it be in his presence, in his sweetness, in the voice of the Spirit, in an amazing segment of a song or a scripture that someone read, whatever that may be, I need to know that the same Jesus I've been living out, talking about, and experiencing and reading on the pages of scripture is alive now. And reveals himself in really convincing ways that what I'm doing and what I'm sharing and what I'm learning in the direction that I'm on is right. Maybe you have that. Maybe you don't. Every once in a while, I need that. I need to know that when I pray, he listens. That when I ask God, it is God of the universe that hears that prayer. That it's not just empty words that I'm sharing, hoping that somewhere along the way God hears. I need to know that. And I'm fascinated how every once in a while God shows up in really amazing ways. There are times when I honestly wonder if I'm making a difference. Does, do, do they get it? Do they understand it? As the person I'm discipling, the person I'm working with, the one I'm walking through, whatever that may be, is it making a difference and then Jesus reveals himself and affirms or someone sends an email or an amazing person who's sitting here in this service this morning sends me a text out of the blue that without the power of God's spirit, knowing exactly when to send it and what to say, would know otherwise. 
love it when God shows up in convincing ways that he's still alive and still hears and is still active. This is more than the study of the history of the early church. This is Acts come to life. This is to tell you that the same Jesus does and will do for you and I exactly what he did for the disciples and from time to time will show himself and reveal himself alive. And to be honest with you, that's what I need every once in a while, every so often, just to keep going. I don't know if it's ever happened to you, but you know the theology. You know that Christ is alive and real, but every once in a while, you need his touch. And in Christ's own unique way, he presents himself alive. Every once in a while, I need more than theology. I need Christ alive. I need to feel his presence, and I need to know his power. Which is the third thing that he does. He said he spoke to them by the Spirit, and then he revealed himself to them in many convincing ways, and then thirdly, he made an amazing promise. He said, I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to wait. Next Sunday morning, we're going to spend all morning in a message on that word. Because I wait really well. And I want you to learn all that I've learned on how to wait really well. It's going to be called in the waiting room. He said, I want you to go back in Jerusalem and I want you to wait. And he promised them a power that would absolutely blow their minds. And it does come. In chapter 2, it happens. But what you and I need to understand, the plan just wasn't for them. The promise wasn't just for them. It was for all of us. And that promise came with a plan. He said, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And because of that power, I want you to be my witnesses. I want you to share this story everywhere you go. Start in Jerusalem. That's where you are. I want you then to go to Judea. I want you to take it to Samaria. I want you to take this story to the end of the earth. This story is too good to keep to ourselves. And that's not only true for them. (laughs) As they understood that, it's true for us. The amazing thing about where you're sitting this morning is that you're a part of this story. You're a part of this journey. I know you know this, but you're not just at Community Alliance Church. You're sitting in the Christian and Missionary Alliance Church, who for over 125 years has been living out Acts 1-8 in anticipation of Acts 1-11, when Jesus would return. And for 125 plus years, people all across this globe have been involved in doing exactly what Jesus said with the same power, the same confidence, with the same miraculous, seeing God do some incredible things. Luke would say, Theopolis, my friend, it began when the truth we heard for years began to take root. All of a sudden it made sense. It began when the power of the living Christ came on us and it caused us to want to tell the world about Jesus all the way to the end of the earth until the end of time. And so somewhere between Acts 1-8 and 1-11, I want to be involved in that journey. And God says, I'd love to have you. And you're in the same journey if you're a part of a Christian Missionary Alliance church. About a year and a half ago, probably two years ago now, I shared with you a friend of mine, John Stumbo. He shared with us his journey. And I said to you at that moment, I was convinced that God would lead him to become the next president of the Christian Missionary Alliance and Last year at annual council, he was. He's been leading us ever since. I love the man. I love his passion. I love his heart. A couple weeks ago, he sent us a video clip about our involvement in giving to the Great Commission and the impact that it makes. I want to share that clip with you this morning as it begins to unfold and what you and I are a part of. And I want you to hear his story on that. And then I want to read a clip from a message that he shares with all of us and then end with a prayer. 
When I was a kid growing up, my first job was to wash the hearses for the local mortician. Two dollars an hour. Through the years, I graduated to a lawn crew by the time I was in high school, raking, mowing, thatching, that kind of thing. Meanwhile, I kept hearing stories through the Alliance Church that I went to of what God was doing around the world through the Alliance work. It began to capture my heart, and, and how cool was it? I, I began to understand that, that it wasn't just somebody else going out and getting to do great things for God that I had no part in, but through the few dollars that I was earning, I could make a donation and, and be a full participant in this. Well, fascinating that through the years, I've realized increasingly the significance of what I was part of. The God of this universe, who doesn't need my money, was inviting me to be a full participant with him in things that are very dear to his heart. That the name of Jesus would be known across this globe. And not just known, but cherished and loved. That as an act of worship on my part, back in my local Alliance Church, I was now partnering and making worshipers of Jesus in regions all over the world. Places dominated by cultures and religious systems that were oppressive and abusive were now embracing forgiveness and hope. Seeing life differently, treating marriage differently, seeing their parenting differently, treating women and children differently, that, that cultures were being changed as the life of Jesus was taking hold. Look what we get to be part of. Whether you've got 20 cents or 20 million, would you join me in investing in this global cause of, of seeing the love of Jesus, not only taken to the world, but embraced by all the peoples of the world? But I also want you to know, that I'm not only excited about what God is gonna do through your generosity, I'm excited about what he's gonna do in your life as you increasingly become a participant in what God's doing around the world. See, the beautiful thing about this whole generosity thing is that not only does God use it dramatically around the globe, but he also uses it dramatically in our own lives. And so that's what I began to experience as a high school student and continue to do so even to this day that it's a beautiful partnership. The God of this universe changing me as he uses the funds that I give to change the world. So I invite you, whether you're one of the youngest people in the congregation or oldest, whether you're getting your first job or done with your last job, I invite you to join me and thousands of others, tens of thousands of others, around the Christian Mystery Alliance and being part of this global work because Jesus has said to us that his mission on earth is not complete until there are representatives before the throne of God worshiping him from every tribe and tongue and nation and people. This is what we're about seeing people who don't even yet know the name of Jesus becoming some of his most joyous worshipers. We're full participants in this. God bless you. You and I get to be a part of that. 
And we get to be a part of what God's doing, not just on the pages of Scripture that we read a story of days gone by, but it's real and it's now. John, a few weeks ago, sent a note to us pastors and said, look, I want you to know that what we're doing matters. The local church is strategic to God's plan and dear to his heart. I believe that our local gathering of believers and other Bible-preaching, Jesus-loving churches like ours are doing more for the good of our communities than most anything that makes the headlines of our local papers. From our churches, people are loved, prayers are prayed, the worship of the God Almighty is heartfelt, the Word of God is declared, marriages are formed and defended, widows are supported, the addicted encounter hope, missionaries are raised up, sent out, and supported. Children, youth, and adults are offered a life-giving alternative to the degrading lifestyle modeled around him. Souls are rescued from Satan's clutch and baptized in the powerful name of Jesus. The ever-threatening tide of evil is held back. Goodness is upheld. A light shines. Demons will seek to undermine, but angels will defend. And Christ himself will walk among us. This is truth. This is alive. And what we're going to be experiencing these weeks together are not something about days gone by, but the living, breathing power of God available to the exact same church that we read about in the book of Acts, available to us. And so I join that over these next few weeks and months, I ask you to join with me and one of Luke's best friends, the Apostle Paul. And pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we would know him better and that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened in order that we could know the hope to which he has called us, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the holy people and his incomparable great power for all of us who believe. The same power, the same mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but in the one to come. And God will place at that moment everything under his feet. And he will be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Father, what a privilege to be able to partner within you and with you and know that, that between Acts 1.8 and Acts 1.11 when you return, you call us to be a part of this amazing journey and that the power of your spirit is available to us and the life that you breathe into these disciples who literally turned their world upside down is available to us today and that we have the privilege of being able to partner with you to change the world. So until Acts 1.11 becomes reality, may we do everything we can to let the living, breathing love of God flow through us like it did through Luke. To touch the lives of people around us. To see the world change forever. Because its story is not just a story, but it's something that changes life. In your name we pray.